0: Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast brought to you by NAPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. I'm your host, Michaela Isler, NAPAC's Executive Director. Welcome to Episode 18 for those keeping score at home. And here on Capitol Hill, it's high anxiety, high-stakes standoff between Republicans and Democrats in the United States Senate over phase four of the CARES Act.
1: That's right, Michaela. Unemployment has run out. The economy is in recession or depression. Frankly, we don't know. And the threat of coronavirus pandemic is as clear and present as ever. And what to do about it and how you help Americans before this election is topic one on Capitol Hill, where we get Moment by moment updates of two sides apparently sitting across the table saying not much and getting nowhere.
2: And if we want to take a look outside the beltway, we look at people who are concerned about this vote by mail situation. We hear people in the administration telling us it's going to be ripe with fraud and abuse. And then we hear people in our state saying this is the safest and most effective way for me to vote at this point in time. And so we're stuck in this back and forth out here as well. For our members, I would encourage people to go check out our webinar that we did on this with uh, Joe Good and some of the resources that our members have put out discussing this mail-in ballot situation, how to vote safely.
0: We've got to be looking at the calendar. If you think about when the debates are going to take place and when the beginning of mail-in balloting begins, many people are going to be voting before they even hear from either one of the candidates in a formal debate situation.
1: We're here as always to make sure that there's no confusion about employee-funded PACs. We're going to give them the facts about the PACs.
0: Absolutely. All right, Adam,
1: let's roll. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NABPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community.
0: Well, I'm really excited today to bring to you Kip Maloney, the Executive Director for Political Development and Compliance at NFIB. Welcome, Kip, to the Facts About PACs podcast.
3: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: NFIB didn't miss a beat programmatically because of coronavirus. You all have successfully accomplished over 100 virtual meetings with upwards of 10,000 attendees, I believe. Tell us a little bit about that.
3: Right after the pandemic hit and legislation was moving through the House and Senate, and even after the original CARES Act was passed and as PPP became kind of prominent and technical fixes that were added to that, we were holding video conferences with over 100 elected officials just bringing our membership to their elected officials to talk about pandemic, the response from government and the interaction of both. It was a great opportunity for our members to really share their stories of how all of this was impacting them.
1: What is it that made NFIB ready to go virtual? Were you guys already well established in the infrastructure you needed to connect people and be ready for this kind of all virtual play?
3: I wish I could say yes, we, we were completely ready and, and this was just a, an easy transition, but we, we were not at all. Um, We are users of the Teams platform, uh, the Microsoft Teams platform, and we as staff, became quickly experts at, at the team's platform because we just had to figure it out and and make it work and you know our members needed information and we had to make it happen
0: to see the success that you all have had with engaging your members you really immediately went into providing value to your membership can you talk a little bit about that
3: one of the most important things of membership at NFIB is the legislative value that we provide to our members. We try to connect our members in the legislative process, and we try to connect them with their members of Congress as much as we possibly can. Obviously, this circumstance was was very much focused on our membership, small business owners, and did what we do best, and that's get detailed information out to our membership, educate them the best that we can, and connect them with their legislators to have their personal stories told.
1: Yeah, that is the very definition of an effective association in Washington, DC. You've been at this with your group For nearly a quarter century, everybody knows who you are. And that makes confidence when you know the person to call. Did you feel that that helped a lot with NFIB educating members about the CARES Act and what they needed to do, what they could do, what the timelines, the deadlines? Having somebody who understood the nuances was a huge advantage for folks at the beginning here, wasn't it?
3: Absolutely. Our lobby team here in Washington is uh, just absolutely top notch. They are very much in the weeds and understand the legislation and all aspects of it our biggest strength for our membership is sharing that information we actually started to run webinars with our membership. And then we opened it up to small business owners at large on Wednesdays. And we we call them now the Wednesday webinars. And it's very much PPP focused. And it's oftentimes very in the weeds. As a matter of fact, two weeks ago, we went through line by line on the forms required to apply for forgiveness of your PPP loans. So very much in the weeds. And I can't say enough about our, our lobby staff. We are top notch they are they are involved and they are in the weeds and they really understand how legislation affects our membership the small business owner
2: So on top of all that educational content y'all are pushing out, you've continued to interview candidates for office and maintain your PAC operations with what it appears to be a great deal of success. Can you tell us about your candidate selection process and how you're doing that in this virtual arena?
3: We have already interviewed over 132 candidates this cycle. 41 of them have been done virtually since we've all been working from home remotely. And I have to say that pivot was actually quite easy. Part of our process at NFIB for uh, choosing who we will endorse and financially support depends on some pretty strict criteria. As everyone knows, NFIB is a small and independent association, and we focus on the business issues that are important to small business owners. And the interesting thing about the way that we function as an organization is our members tell us the most important things facing them, and that's through a ballot process where each member gets one voice and one vote. And we use that as our guiding principles for how we work with either state or federal elected officials on our members' behalf. So those issues that are determined by our members become of a scorecard that we rate votes that determine where a candidate, an incumbent, or an open seat challenger might stand on the issues that are important to our membership. And then based on that, if you are at 70% or higher, you are eligible for endorsement and financial support.
0: Kip, you and I have been around a long time, and I I do think the candidate interview process is one that doesn't seem to be a focus or priority for many organizations anymore. I know BIPAC over the years had a pretty extensive candidate interview process. I know you've continued to do it. But I think this is a critical piece is just really in light of so much focus on business pack contributions and where the business pack community dollars are going. How have you all been able to decide where the dollars
3: go? We do extensive following of the races. We follow all trade journals and the polls. But something else that we have that a lot of other organizations don't have is we have feet on the street. So we have a state team that runs the state lobby division. We have grassroots teams on the ground and we have active members. And those are amazing resources for us here in Washington to keep us in check on what's really going on out in the country and with the the races and that, along with a candidate interview, has been our, our best asset.
0: And tell us a little bit about those candidate interviews. Is it tied to
3: the issues on your scorecard? How are you vetting the candidates? Sure. So a lot of it's just kind of a gut check. Um, let's hear from the candidate on uh, not only the issues that are important to our membership, but we kind of walk them through our process as well on how we decide who we're going to endorse and when. But we also like to get a good feel from the campaign about their fundraising plan and how much they anticipate raising. One of the questions that we ask all the time is, what is your opponent going to say about you? So we are... Fairly frank with these candidates, and we learn a lot from them. and it And it's a great opportunity for them to really present themselves to us. They're about a half hour, forty minute interviews, and you can learn a lot from a candidate in in that amount of time.
1: We were pretty excited uh, having you on the Facts About PACs podcast, Kip. And it's no secret to our listeners and to you that we're the number one PAC podcast in America now. But I want to ask you one of the things that I find is a frequent misconception is that political action committees, especially especially employee-funded PACs, are hyper-partisan, when the fact about PACs is that they are bipartisan and nonpartisan and much more effectual in, in allowing businesses and groups to work on issues across the aisle. That's the thing that I talk about the most. What's your experience on that one issue?
3: We will talk to anyone on the Hill that will talk to us. We do everything we can to connect our members to all legislators, regardless of party, So that they can hear the stories, uh, the real life stories of small business owners and hope that when they take a vote, they have that story in mind and they're voting on the side of, of small business.
2: You've been at NFIB for nearly 25 years, and you've seen quite the evolution of employee engagement in the political process. What would you say is the most important fact about PACs you'd want listeners to know?
3: I think hands down, the most important thing is that PACs are the most transparent way for anyone to participate in the political process. Every part of it is transparent. It is unfortunate that that There is a perception out there that they are funded by corporations or the board of directors, and none of that is the case. And I will tell you from our perspective at NFIB, we are over $10 million a cycle, which is a lot of money from small business owners. We have, on average, about 45,000 individual donors that give to NFIB's political programs, and our average contribution is $178. So these these are not corporate titans. These These are regular mom and pop small business owners participating in the process. And the FEC requires that we report all of our contributions to the FEC. We do report all of those contributions to the FEC. We are required to report all the contributions we make to campaigns and candidates we do that as well. So every single thing that we do is completely under 100% sunshine and available to everybody to see who gives, who we give to, how much, when. And I think if you really dig into packs that you will find out that the vast majority of them are just like NFIB's pack, that we have a lot of small donors uh, that just this is a great way for them to participate in the process and do it through an organization that is meaningful to them.
0: Last week, we had our chief regulator, the new FEC chairman, Trey Trainer, on the show, and he echoed everything you just said. We talked about both of our missions being to educate about ways to engage in the political process and employee-funded PACs being one of the most transparent ways to do that. Kip, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You are an incredible leader in the PAC community, in the business community, and we just so appreciate your leadership here at NABPAC.
3: My pleasure to be here, and and Michaela, I think you're doing a fantastic job leading NABPAC and all of its members should be very proud of where the organization is and is going.
0: Thank you so much, Kip. Well, with that, everybody, thank you as always to our listeners for making us the number one packed podcast in America. Until next week, stay safe, stay engaged, and keep moving forward.